Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Hello, hello, it's Renee here. How are you all? Thanks so much for joining me again today. I appreciate every one of you that comes in and stops by. Are you guys keeping warm? Oh my gosh, how freezing is it? It's all of a sudden dropped so cold here in Australia. I'm in Queensland. Um, ooh, it's freezing. Anyway, hope that you're keeping warm. Hey, um, I just want to say thanks so much to everyone that stopped by on Apple, well, particularly Apple Podcasts. I don't know if you can rate podcasts on Spotify. Maybe someone can let me know. But thank you so much for those that have given um, a rating, etc. And I really appreciate that. Hey, today we're going to do our very, very last part of our Girl Boss collection. This is part four. So make sure you go back to the other three that we've done and come on the journey with us on all the different ways and means of being a total Girl Boss. So today we are going to talk about the uncommon habits of a Girl Boss. And then I probably will only take maybe 20, 25 minutes to do that. And then a whole stack of you sent in a whole heap of questions. So I'm going to try and answer them pretty quickly and off the top of my head. So we'll see how we go. But thanks for sending them in. I'll try and get to them all at the end of this. So let's get cracking. You might want to take notes today. I'm going to give you seven uncommon habits of a girl boss. Now, let me just start by saying um, that what makes one person successful is not necessarily what makes another person successful. And I just think girls who stand out do so because they play the game of life differently. And, you know, you've got to do something different to be someone different. I stumbled across this really great website this week that talked about the crazy habits of some really successful people. And I'll share a few of them with you in a moment. But the point was that there's really no one size fits all when it comes to habits that lead to success. You know, I can't just give you a formula and say, well, do these seven things or 10 things or five things and you'll be a total success, a total girl boss. Um, It's not always about waking up early or making a daily to-do list. I mean, I could say to you that a girl boss wakes up early and then you could probably point out an example of a total girl boss who doesn't wake up early. So, you know, Everyone's got different things that motivate them, different quirks, different creative processes, and I think we've just got to know ourselves. So I want to inspire you with some uncommon ones today, but let's look at a few examples. I thought these were funny. Albert Einstein filled his closet with variations of the same gray suit, (laughs) so he pretty much wore the same thing. Uh, just different versions of it. Steve Jobs, Apple CEO, always wore a black turtleneck with jeans and sneakers to work. Same thing with Mark Zuckerberg, uh, the, the founder of Facebook, always wears a hoodie and jeans, I think a particular color. So these guys apparently didn't want to waste brain power um, because they made so many decisions during the day. And there is such a thing as decision fatigue and they didn't want to waste their brain power on yet another decision in the morning. So they figured they'd just wear the same thing every day. I actually really like that, by the way. I 
often wear similar stuff every day and I've often felt a bit bad about it. Like, oh, I should wear different stuff. Oh, I should be a bit more creative. I'm like, hey, if it's good enough for Albert Einstein, it's good enough for me. I think it's easier just to go, yep, black jumper, black leggings, white sneakers, off I go. Um, Bill Gates, this is one that really resonated with me. I saw a documentary on him. He carries a big bag of books wherever he goes and it's not even a nice bag. It literally looks like some recycled bag from Coles. And he carries about 13 or 14 books with him wherever he goes. But I love that. But that's because I love books. And my absolute happy place, in fact, right now I'm sitting in my study recording this with so many books around me. I just love books. The other thing he did, which I think is slightly odd, but you might relate, is he would sit and rock in a rocking chair to regain his focus and power up his creativity. And then there's Oscar Wilde, um, famous, I think he's a poet. I'm going to have to check my facts on that one. Uh, He reportedly went for walks with a lobster on a leash. He had a pet lobster. So there you go. But I say all this not to make you wear the same thing or go, you know, leash up your pet lobster, but just to remind us today that the habits that make some people successful might not work for you. Everyone has their own uh, quirks when it comes to motivation and productivity. So you've got to be fair to yourself. Um, Now in saying all that, I am going to give you seven today and I wanted them to be kind of unusual ones, not your stock standard, you know, have a journal, be grateful, you know, that stuff's all important, but just some more uncommon ones that I've observed or I've researched that are habits in Uh, girls that are really successful Um, and I wanted just to focus on these without giving you the normal ho-hum ones so they're a little bit different you might relate you might be inspired but here we go so number one she doesn't believe what everyone else tells her to believe I love that a girl boss doesn't just believe things because they're common or popular or because most people believe them. You know, a great example is the whole self-love and I'm enough movements that I talked about in my last week's podcast. Go have a listen to that. I think my favorite bit of feedback was from Sam Long. If you, I know Sam and Hannah always listen. They're the, they're the directors over in South Australia. Shout out to you guys. But Sam was like, I was shouting amen at, at my car, not radio, Bluetooth, my car Bluetooth. I was shouting amen the whole way. Um, But I really unpacked that whole just because something is really popular and you hear a lot of celebrities or even people in Christian world saying things over and over, it doesn't make it right. We need to think for ourselves. And I think that's really important. Don't just believe things because you've been told. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to research. And that's what I did. I knew the whole self-love movement didn't sit right with me, but I couldn't articulate why. And so... I did a whole heap of research and I grabbed my Bible and then I came to my own conclusions. So, you know, be don't be afraid to question things or to think for yourself. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. And be someone who learns and researches and reads and, you know, ask people who you admire. And of course, of course, of course, everything must be weighed. Our whole worldview needs to be shaped by the Bible. So that's number one. Don't always believe what everyone else believes. What else does a girl boss do? She does not make excuses about why she can't adult. Oh my gosh. I heard some information about adulting this week that blew 
my mind so much so that I'm going to do a whole podcast on this next week. Um, You know, the whole term adulting, you guys are probably like, oh yeah, I've heard that. That didn't exist a few years ago. I remember first hearing it and thinking, what? That's not even a word. What What is that? And I looked it up to think, to prove that it wasn't a word, but apparently it is now. Um, The whole adulting thing, you know, learning to take responsibility and grow up and become an adult. And I hear a lot of young people now say, oh, I don't want an adult or it's too scary to adult. And I see a generation that are often quite scared to step into what they perceive as this whole adulting kind of, (laughs) you know, role that they have to play. And I'm going to really encourage you guys on how to do that in another podcast. But I see young people that are even too scared to drive. I've got friends whose daughters are too scared to, to drive, too scared to get into a car and, you know, just nervous at the concept of taking responsibility for themselves. So I don't want to say too much and give away more stuff, but let's just say that a girl boss jumps at the chance and the challenge and the opportunity to take responsibility for her life in every way. Even if you feel scared, even if things make you nervous, you know, I remember being so nervous at different things I had to do rocking up to uni for the first time on my own, walking into my first teaching job, walking into a staff room as a teacher when I'd always been a student. I remember how petrified I was, but a girl boss is able to do it anyway, do it afraid. Number three, she takes care of her mess right away. Anyone that knows me knows that I'm really big on this and I'm trying to kind of work out why is this so important to me? And I know it's reiterated a lot from different things that that I've read. Like there's actually a New York bestseller book that was written by um, a Navy. Like he's really high up in the Navy, but he retired a general. I forget. I don't know what they call him. And he wrote a book called Make Your Bed and talked about the importance of even that discipline first thing in the morning. Um but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm talking about every mess. I'm talking about the bedroom, the house, the car, the desk space, the bills pile, the wardrobe, the washing. My observation is that the girl bosses I've really admired close up or even from afar don't live in a constant state of chaos. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to have mess sometimes or piles sometimes. Like in my study where I record this podcast, I've often got In fact, right next to me now, I've got a few of my academy papers and I've got my podcasting. So, you know, I've got a few messes around. But in general, a girl boss cleans up after herself and takes care of the mess. Now, I always used to observe this over the years. So the colleagues that I have admired the most, whether it be my teaching colleagues or colleagues in um, in ministry world, the ones that I really admired, I also noticed they just had their lives together. You know, their their desk space was tidy. Their personal space was tidy. They rocked up to work on time. Um, their cars were clean. Now, my car is not clean right now, but you know what I'm saying? Like in general, their their houses are orderly and, and, and clean. And I've observed that over the years and just thought, okay, is that is that a coincidence? If there's any psychologists out there, I'd love to hear from you. But I do remember hearing this finance guru in America. I forget her last name, but her first name was Susie. And she was often on the Oprah show talking about, you know, how to deal with your your personal finances. And she used to say, let me open up someone's cupboards and I'll tell you the state of their finances. And I never forgot that. I thought, here's one of the top money gurus in America 
telling people, I can tell your state of your finances by the state of your cupboards. So what she was saying was, disorganization is never found in just one place. Um, If it's in one area, it's in other areas. So that's my third one. How are you going? You want me to recap? Number one, a girl boss, uncommon habit, doesn't believe what everyone else tells her to. Number two, doesn't make excuses about why she can't adult. Number three, she takes care of her mess right away. Number four, she finishes what she started. I think this is a huge one. And I'm talking anything here. You know, if we commit to something, see it through. When our kids were growing up and, you know, they wanted to sign up to different things, try out different things. And I understood that you wouldn't know what you liked unless you tried it. So it wouldn't be, you know, it's not like I said, okay, guys, you got to sign up for a whole year and then they hate it because I know that unless you try things, you don't know. But within reason, if they signed up to something, we made them commit to the whole term or the whole semester. Guitar lessons, commit to the semester. You want to do jujitsu, commit to the semester. You want to do football, you commit to the season. You know, we can't go from thing to thing to thing, from job to job to job, from hobby to hobby to hobby, from uni course to uni course and not finish anything because you're going to end up being one of these, you know, half, half, half people that never have anything, any skill or any expertise under their belt. And I remember hearing this amazing podcast by Erwin McManus and he really spoke into this and I remember sending it to Georgia and it helped her to follow through on her decision to go to uni even though she didn't know exactly that this was what she really wanted to do he actually said just do something and she never forgot that she was like you know what that is great advice just do something and stick with it you know it's not easy when you start something to still be showing up halfway through but people that make it in life keep showing up you know I often see this in academy people that come in and God's spoken to them about giving him a year and coming into the academy you know and then they start failing assignments or they get a term in and they want to drop out or they get six months in and oh, I've decided to drop out and I always challenge them and I say hang on God spoke to you about starting that has he changed his mind And it really takes character to keep seeing something through, even when our feelings aren't following along for a while. Sometimes we just have to discipline ourselves. You know, when I went to uni to get a teaching degree, it was not even a thought in my mind that I'd give up halfway. I was like, I'm doing this. I'm completing this because really I had a lot to gain. At the end of it, I knew I would have a degree that I could use for the rest of my life. And I, I would never be stuck. Like, you know, even if anything happened to the church or I couldn't work for you the live anymore or something happened to Cameron, I've always got teaching to go back to. So finish what you start. Number five, total girl bosses lead other people through a difficult season. Um, you know, a real standout girl to me is one who leads, not one who follows, one who influences, not one who is influenced. And I think this COVID season is such an amazing example of this. Um, You know, for us to see the possibilities where other people are seeing the negativities, for us to be the uh, rise to the challenge that this difficult season brings, 
And I understand that there are a lot of people right now that this is a difficult season. You know, for those who live alone, who are now even more isolated, for kids who live in horrible dysfunctional families where school was um, a respite and a safe place for them, for women who are perhaps living in domestic abuse situations, for single moms who are doing it alone and tough right now, that we're girls that not only can lead in those spaces and reach out to people, But to lead everyone around us, you know, there's a lot of people putting things on social media right now. I saw one the other day um, about, you know, we don't have to live our best life right now and, oh, we can all breathe a sigh of relief. And I was like, why not? Why? Why can't we live our best life now? I don't, I don't understand that. That that person's not fitting into any of these categories. A lot of the people that I see at times struggling in this season aren't fitting into any of those categories. So then I think though it's because the narrative is, oh, we must struggle. Oh, we're going to get PTSD out the back of this. I've heard that one, you know, all sorts. And I think we can be girls who lead through every situation. Cameron and I did a um, an Insta Live with our public um, youth last week, and they all had questions. It was all this whole theme of ISO made me do it. It was really fun. You know what they were talking about? Oh, ISO's made me realize I'm lonely, and ISO's made me realize this. And Cameron and I just flipped it on its head and said, why? This is your season to shine. You be the friend. You reach out. You make that call. You be the gatherer. In other words, we can be the people that lead in this season. And so we can do that the way we speak. Um, And so I just want to encourage us to be those girls in this season. Number six. Oh, I love this one. Okay. This one I've learned myself through sheer desperation. Number six. She gives herself a pep talk when she needs to. Um, there have been many times that I have felt really inadequate for the task I'm about to undertake. Usually it's when I get up on a stage. Uh, if I travel and preach, I I often second guess myself. Like in my heart of hearts, I often just feel like, hey, I am the kid from the broken home from Banksia Park in Adelaide. And then here I am about to you know, get up on a stage and do a women's conference or speak at a leadership event or speak in a youth group somewhere. And sometimes just before I get up, I get really nervous. And I remember a couple of years ago, I did a tour right through New Zealand. And I know I've got New Zealand listeners, so hey to my Elim girls. Um, I did a tour through all these Elim churches with a women's conference. I think I spoke about 13 times in nine days. And every now and then I'd pinch myself and think, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And so I'd ring Cameron and he'd give me a pep talk and tell me, you'll be fine, you'll be awesome. But one day I heard Robert Ferguson from Hillsong um, say how he would give himself a pep talk before he got up on stage. And I was like, what? He's like the number one theologian for a start in Hillsong. He is so articulate. He's so wise. He's amazing. And yet he gives himself a pep talk. Okay. That kind of gave me a real aha moment. And I thought, you know what? There are times where I just have to talk to myself and give myself a pep talk. So now this is literally what I do before I get up. I'll stand there and I'll just say in my head, you know what, Renee? There's no better person to speak about or to get up and preach right now than you in this whole room. God's anointed me right now for this moment. I am meant to be here. People are waiting to hear what I have to say. I've got God's word for these people. And I just give myself a pep talk and it just gives me that extra little bit of courage. So there you go. 
Give yourself a pep talk. Could be anything. Could be before you do an interview. It could be before you speak somewhere. Could be before you start your brand new job, whatever it is. And number eight, last one, and then we're going to answer questions, is she never stops learning. And that might seem like an, a common one, but I really, um, I really wanted to pop that in there. I get so inspired when I hear about women that go to uni in their elderly years. Like I recently heard of this lady in her 80s who got a degree at uni and she didn't get a degree to go get a job in that field. She got a degree because she just loves learning. My mother-in-law inspires me in this. She is constantly learning. It doesn't matter if she's reading a book, reading the newspaper, seeing something on the news on TV, watching a movie. She researches whatever she's watching or listening to and she learns more. Her general knowledge is incredible. Like if ever I, I say something and I'm wrong and she corrects me and I don't like it, I'm like, no, no, I'm pretty sure I'm right. She's always right. <laughs> so I think if we keep learning, if we don't keep learning, we quickly become out of touch or irrelevant. And I think, I guess Cameron and I have had to keep doing this. You know, we are a little bit older and still leading youth alive because, hey, why not? Who says there's, you know, who says there's rules? But Cameron and I have to constantly keep learning. Uh, and keep being inspired. So even, for example, in the Youth Alive Academy, the other week we decided we were going to stream from my Google Meet with the students live onto Facebook. Never done that before. I had to work it out. I sought out, shout out to Sandy, who I know listens to, who's my, I call him my tech god in Youth Alive, who, who you know, gave me the instructions, but then I worked it out and I was like, yes, I did it. Is that constantly challenging ourselves And you know, they say that even, it's not even about the money, but they do say that research shows those who continually learn actually earn more money than those who stick with a narrow skill set. So it's just about broadening your life experience brought by broadening your opportunities. So there you go. There's my seven. I'll quickly recap them for you. Uh, uncommon habits of a girl boss. One, she doesn't believe what everyone else tells her to. Two, she doesn't make excuses about why she can't adult. She takes care of her mess. She finishes what she started. She leads others through difficult seasons. She gives herself a pep talk when she needs to. And she never stops learning. There you go. Well, that's the end of our girl boss collection. You know, if you've got an idea of a collection you'd like me to do, please let me know. However, what I am going to do, sorry, I'm just grabbing my phone out. Okay, I had some amazing questions from you guys. And here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer them off the top of my head. Let's see how I go. All right, first one from I don't know, can I say your names? I don't know. All right. Abby. <laughs> hey Abby. What are your thoughts on the music we listen to and what music we shouldn't listen to? Okay, Cameron and I aren't, you know, massively like over the top strict, I guess, um, on when it comes to music and movies. Um, But in saying that, there's certain things that I would say is a no-go zone. Uh, Look, I would say with music, nothing nothing sexualized and anything violent, that's like a no-go to and anything full of swearing words. Um, and anything, I would say, just steer clear of music if it puts you in a slump. You know how some music makes people really kind of depressed or it's really dark? Don't listen to that stuff. 
listen to stuff that makes you feel inspired, that you feel good. Um, I obviously worship music's great, but you don't always have to listen to worship music. Everyone's got loads of different tastes. So yeah, I would just say stay away from those couple of areas, but then listen to what you enjoy. Okay, Mel asked, my best advice for raising a girl. Oh my gosh. You know what, Mel? I might do a collection on, I've actually always wanted to do a collection on, on this bit of a parenting one. So could you maybe hold tight and I'm going to do that one at another time because I've got so much to say about that. It is so important how we raise our girls. All right. Another Abby. Hey, other Abby. How do I not become envious of others' success when you know everyone's timing is different? Great question. I will tell you what I listened to the other day on a Jenny Jenny Allen podcast. She talked about, you know, it's normal sometimes to feel a little bit envious or jealous when someone else has success and there you've been working hard doing your thing and it's not coming to you. Number one, I'd say, um, you know, you and you said it yourself, Abby, you actually answered your own question a bit there that everyone's timing is different and you've just got to uh, trust God for your season. But the other thing is, if you're feeling a bit jealous or envious, the way that Jenny Allen deals with it, and I thought this was so good, is she instead would flip that over into championing that person on. So if she felt a bit envious of someone, she wouldn't go tell them she feels envious, but she would encourage them instead. She would send them a text or give them a call or just let them know, hey, I think it's amazing what you're doing. And when you do that, when you choose to champion someone, it actually helps to turn those feelings around. So give that a go. And I think that's amazing advice from Jenny. All right. How... I won't say this person's name just in case, but how do I respect my my non-Christian parents' authority in life while living for God 110%? Great, great question. Um, this is a difficult one that I've had to contend with a lot over the years for different reasons. My mum is saved. My dad is not. My parents are divorced. Um, can I just say... I wish I had more time to answer this one, but it is important. It's not one or the other. You don't have to, you know, it's not like, oh, I can't, I can't live for God and show authority, show respect to my parents or honor my parents. You know, the Bible says in the Old Testament in Exodus, it tells us to honor our mother and father so that we can have a long life. Then it's reiterated again in the New Testament where um, I think it's in Ephesians. It says, honor your father and mother so it might go well with you. And so the fact that it's reiterated Old and New Testament, we do need to show honor. Show honor, by the way, what does that word mean? It means to give weight to and to give respect to. Now, there's been times where I've made decisions that my mum in particular has not agreed with, but that's a different scenario. I, I had to make decisions that I felt God was asking me to do, but you can still do it in such a way that's honoring to your mum and dad. So I would say do as much as you can to be honoring, move toward them, be respectful. You know, if you disagree on something, that's okay. Have a conversation. Um, you're not always, honoring doesn't always mean you do, particularly when you're older, it's a bit different when you're living with them and you're younger. Um, doesn't mean you always do everything that they want you to do, um, but ultimately it's about showing respect and doing that in the best ways that you can. I hope I've answered that. Um, next one. Oh, the best advice during breakups and breaks from relationships. Ooh, okay. I would say that's a hard one. 
Now it's a hard one because I never really did a lot of breakout. Any okay, any this would be my best advice. Any breakups that I had when I was younger is simply for one reason. I didn't have peace. I did not have peace. Georgia and I spoke about this on our five minutes with Renee and G the other day on about how to make the big decisions in life. And a huge one of those is peace. And if you don't have peace on something, then I know that it hurts. I know that you feel sad, but I would say that if you don't have peace, that a breakup is a good thing. And you've got to go by your gut on that and don't kind of go by your feelings. And I know that's difficult. I know that's so hard. So that would be my my best bit of advice would be be strong and go by that peace in your heart. All right. Libby asks, how do I juggle all of my work? Someone else has asked me this before. I probably should do a podcast on this one um, about how do you, how do you do everything? How do you fit everything in? My short answer for this podcast would be, it's actually about priorities. And if you know what your priorities are, then it's not hard to fit everything. Uh, It's not hard to work out what to fit into your day. And so for me, my priority is God and then it's my family and then it's ministry. And so I work my day in that order. So, you know, Cameron and I obviously are over a lot of things, but I often think, well, how does the prime minister do it? You know, how do other people who are way busier than, than us do it? And everyone's got the same amount of time in their day and we've all been given 24 hours. And so I would say, work out what your priorities are and then what you are to do. Your workload will fall into line with that. All right. So if you're young, for example, and you're at uni and I would be prioritizing my uni work over my part-time job. And I know that you need to earn money, but, you know, I often say to Georgia, you've got four years, four years that you're sacrificing for your degree, but you're going to walk out with an amazing degree that you'll be able to get great jobs the rest of your life. So if that's your priority, then most of your time should go to that. Alrighty. Oh, my son put a question in. I'm not even going to say what it is, but it's typical boy. Um, Okay. What are some of the rules or boundaries when dating? Okay. I'll just give you a couple of our top ones. Um, Cameron, Cameron's mum. I used to spend a lot of time at Cameron's parents' house when we were dating. Oh my gosh. Can you guys hear the gate? Sorry, if you can hear clicking and clanging, Cameron keeps walking in and out the gate right next to my study. Um, we had a few rules like we were never allowed in the bedroom, like in his bedroom or in my bedroom, or if we did go in there, the door had to be open and Cameron's mum would pop in at any time. And we really didn't allow ourselves to be anywhere alone. Like if I was house sitting, he wouldn't, he didn't come over and be on his own with me. And so there you go. That's my top um, boundary or rule when dating. Um, Oh, okay. So someone's asked me if I've, if I've had to, how have I dealt with grief? That's probably a good one for a podcast on how to deal with grief. And I'm not going to answer that one purely because I don't feel I can do it justice because I've never really had like major grief in my life. Um, Well, obviously, you know, my parents divorced and that kind of thing, but I haven't like had anyone really close to me pass away. So I think for this beautiful girl, I will get someone else in that can help me answer that and do that justice. 
Okay, and what's the role of fasting in the 21st century? I hear pastors talking about this, but rarely in my church. Um, that's interesting that you rarely hear about it. Most of the churches I know do put aside time to fast um, at least once a year. I know we do. We do a fast as a church. I think it's important. Well, it's not if I think it's important. The Bible says that it's important because it's a way for us to actively like deny ourselves and put God first. So it's instead of, you know, the time we'd normally prepare food and eat that we're spending that time with God, it's our way of saying, God, you're my priority. I put you first. And so fasting is super important. So you don't have to wait for your church, by the way, to do a fast. Why don't you read up on it yourself and you can do your own fast. And the last one is, great question, what's my top tips for mummers in ministry? Oh, okay, I would say, and I know that this mum has got young ones, my top tip would be, and again, I'd love to talk more about this if I do a podcast on raising girls, my top tip would be raise kids that you can take anywhere. What I mean by that is when my kids were younger, and obviously Cameron and I were doing ministry, um, I didn't have a whole heap of babysitters and I didn't want to use childcare because, you know, Cameron was busy and I didn't want to not be there for my kids. And so I, I, we decided what was best for our family was to stay home. But that meant when I went out or I went to people's houses or I had coffees, the kids came with me. And I just wanted to raise kids that were so well behaved that I could take them anywhere and they were respectful and would sit down for a good hour um, quietly so that I could have coffee and chat with someone. And there are real a whole heap of tips around doing that. Like I would always tell my kids what I expected of them beforehand. This is what I expect. This is how long we're going to be there. And then I would give them a reward. So I would say, when we've finished, mummy will take you to the park. Um, the other thing I did was... I had a special backpack of stuff for them to do when we were out. So stuff that they didn't play with at home. Um, I didn't give them devices and stuff. I mean, that was back then we kind of had these little DVD players when they were a bit younger, but I didn't give them that. I didn't want them to be always babysat by entertainment. So I taught them to, they can color in or they could play with some certain toys. And if they didn't behave, I did discipline them. I would take them out, take them out of the cafe, talk to them, bring them back in um, one of my kids was particularly difficult on this. And so with, it was one of my boys. So what I did is with him, I would practice going to cafes, just him and I, um, without actually meeting up with someone and teach him the kind of behavior that I wanted. And my biggest thing is I'm the mum. And I am the one that determines the way that I want them to behave. I'm the boss, not them. So there you go. <laughs> I was total mum boss. And I'd love to talk about that at another time. But we have ran out of time. Um, thank you so much again for joining me. Please let me know if there's another series or collection. If you've got ideas, I'd love to hear from you. And I can't wait to be back with you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.